Daniel 5. Now, before you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, uh, I want to read a couple of passages to you uh, that will tie into Daniel 5. And they're, they're really cool passages. And the way they tie into Daniel 5 is epic. Um, so you can note them. You don't have to turn there. Uh, just keep your place in Daniel 5. But note this if you have a pen. Jeremiah 27, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read it to you. It says, I have made the earth the man and the beasts that are on the ground, and by my great power and my outstretched arm, and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. My servant and the beasts of the field I have also given him to serve him. Verse 7, listen. So all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son, which is his Good, good, grandson. Let's try that again. Shall serve him, his son, and his son's son, which is his grandson. Okay. Until the time of his land comes, and then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. So we know that his empire, Nebuchadnezzar's empire, goes 70 years, and it's going to end with his grandson. Got that? Okay. Now Isaiah, this is another one to note, Isaiah 44 Starting at verse 24, going through verse, uh, chapter 45, verse 7. I'll read it to you. Isaiah 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord, who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited. To the cities of Judah, you shall be built, and I will raise up her waste places. Who says to the deep, listen to this, who says to the deep, listen to this, who says to the deep, be dry, and I'll dry up your rivers. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I'll give you the treasure of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who called you by your name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you. You have not known me. I am the Lord, there is no other, there is no God beside me. I will gird you as though you have not known me, and that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. I want to stop there. Two, two passages, Jeremiah and Isaiah. For those of you who've never stepped foot in a church, or maybe it's been a long time, you're skeptics of Christianity, I want to share with you today, just reading out of Jeremiah and Isaiah. The passage I just read of Isaiah declares Cyrus uh, king. He's a Medo-Persian king. It's all, it's all in the synactums. Uh, it's all in the Cyrus uh, scroll. You can see all this historically speaking. Herodotus, Josephus, all these ancient historians, they discuss Cyrus. Isaiah, the book itself, Cyrus's name, that passage of scripture, Isaiah 44 and 45, was written... 176 years before Cyrus ever walked the face of the earth, was ever born. Okay? 
In addition, Jeremiah, you're going to see in Jeremiah that Daniel was familiar with Jeremiah's writing. He knew of Nebuchadnezzar, and he knew that the kingdom would come to a close with the grandson. And so with that being said, Cyrus is going to be floored in a moment. Belshazzar is going to be floored. Nebuchadnezzar is already dead. Last week, we studied Nebuchadnezzar's testimony, how he came to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of the living God. And now his grandson is on the throne. His name is Belshazzar. And we're going to take a look at Daniel 5. I'm not going to read it in its entirety, but I am going to have you stand for portions of it. So let's stand for the reading of Daniel 5. I made the first service stand, and they looked exhausted. And those, I mean, they're warriors. They're up at 6. Most of you guys just rolled out of bed, you know. And uh, that, that early service, they could handle it. But you guys, I'm going to get you dead. Don't, you're going to be seated in just a second. Belshazzar the king made a great feast. This is Daniel 5, verse 1. Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels from his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And some of you are going, iron, wood, and stone? Let me put it in today's vernacular. A four iron, a one wood, and a gemstone. All right, now you got it. Thank you. Praise the Lord for you golfers. Glad you're here. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster wall of the king's palace, and the king saw part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened. That's an Aramaic way of saying that he soiled himself. Don't bother washing those, just burn them. Okay? You, you, it's the scriptures. If you're upset with me, that's the scriptures. His hips were loosened. We call him Prince Piddle. His, his, I thought that was funnier. Uh, his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, as, as had been happened before with Daniel's life. And uh, he says, listen, if you get somebody to interpret this, um, you know, I will make him in third in command. I'll put a gold chain around his neck and give him a purple robe. Nobody can do it. His queen says, listen, there's a guy named Daniel. That guy can do it. Why don't you call on him? Uh, and so we find in verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my, actually the translation should be grandfather. It means um, relative, but it, it, it reads grandfather, whom my grandfather, the king brought from Judah. I've heard of you that the spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding of excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers have been brought in before me and they were supposed to read it. They couldn't interpret this thing. I've heard of you. Can you give the interpretation? And if you do, I'll give you a gold chain, a purple robe, and I'll make you third in command of this kingdom. Verse 17, Daniel answered and said to the king, let your gifts be for yourself. I don't need your gold. Let your rewards go to another, but I'm going to read it for you anyways and make known to you the interpretation. So he goes through it. And uh, he says, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your grandfather, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Excuse me, whomever he wished, he executed. He goes on to just say this power. Verse 20, but when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne. They took his glory from him. He was driven from his sons and men. As we studied last week, he was put out to pasture for seven years until he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints it 
whomever he chooses. Verse 22, but you, his son, Belshazzar, grandson, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your Lord, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all of your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this is the writing that was written. In the inscription was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Afarsin. And this is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command that they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word. There's a lot here, Lord, and I pray that you would just dial it in so folks would realize how amazing your word is and how worthy you are of our worship. And so God, take hold, we pray, according to your riches in Christ. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Have a seat. Uh, Romans chapter one says that uh, you exchange the truth for a lie. God gives you over to a reprobate mind. Your conscience becomes seared and you, you, your conscience, it's your little Jiminy cricket that tells you what's right and wrong. And everybody has a conscience and you know, you shouldn't do it. And that's why we have anti-anxiety medications. That's why we have all these medications. We, we know that this is what we're doing, but we're not doing it. And then we struggle and our life isn't in alignment. And we go through all these trials in life and it's overwhelming. Now, it's not always the case with anti-anxiety medication, but in a lot of cases for all of us, we have sleepless nights, we're troubled, uh, we're, we feel guilt, we feel condemnation, we go through a lot of this. And the beauty about a Christian walk is there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Today's message for believers is not to condemn you, it's to inspire you to walk in the fullness of these gifts that God had purposed beforehand. Ephesians 2.10 said, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is, this is our calling. This is our destiny. And we find joy in the midst of that destiny. And many of us are trapped and, and we're not where we're supposed to be, not doing what we, sh- what we could be doing and experiencing the joy that is ours to have. Instead, we're struggling. We're struggling immensely. Last year wasn't a good year for some of us. And, and here we see this picture of this, this intensity that's going on in Belshazzar's life. And, uh, and, and with this conscience, his conscience is, is seared in a sense. And he knows what to do. He knows what's right. Even Daniel said, you know, you know this. Your grandfather declared it. You, you, you know the testimony that was sent all throughout Babylon or throughout the entirety of that kingdom. You, you know what your grandfather said. You know Nebuchadnezzar declared these things. You, you read his testimony. It's, it's written in the annals of Nebuchadnezzar's history. You, you, you've read that, that the God of Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego is supposed to be served and worshiped and honored, and you've done the antithesis of that. You have taken the vessels that, that Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem from the temple, and you're partying with them. You're pouring wine into them. You've got your, your sex slaves, your concubines. You've got a drunken orgy in the midst of Babylon going on with the holy vessels of God's temple. You are desecrating everything that God intends for what these vessels were used for, intended to be used for. You're guilty, and you know it. You know better. And I say that because there are folks in the room 
that you know you've been saved. You got your get out of hell free card. You know, he's been placed in the Father's hand. No man can remove. If you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. God, cast your sins as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. If, if you're saved and God says that you may know you have eternal life, yes? I've told you so that you may know you have eternal life. He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. I've told you this so that you may know you have eternal life, yes? That's scripture, right? Can you lose eternal life? If you can, was it eternal to begin with? That's all I gotta say about that. And so with this idea of salvation by grace through faith, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're like, I I like that, I'll take that, cha-ching. I'll take that. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I'm going to heaven. And then we, we take that salvation and we go right back to the plantation as a slave of sin. We continue in sin. We go right back to the Alpo. <laughs> Only this time, it's regurgitated Alpo. The Bible says, as a man returns to his sin, so one, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a man returns to his sin. That's scriptural. You're not even returning to fresh Alpo. <laughs> yeah, we've all done that, haven't we? Doesn't look as appetizing the second time around. It's like, this just doesn't bring the same joy it used to. And here you have a picture of Belshazzar. Now, Belshazzar, let me put you into perspective. When Nebuchadnezzar died, his son, great name for a son. I don't know who named him. I wouldn't have. But Nebuchadnezzar dies. His son takes over. His son's name is Evil Marduk. He lives for two years and is killed by his brother-in-law, who's married to his sister-in-law, who was actually, they're both in-laws that married each other. So his sister-in-law and his brother-in-law are married to each other. Strange, I won't go through all the detail. His name is Nergalezer. Nergalezer murders evil Murdoch. He just murders him. And then he reigns for four years. And between this Arkansas interfamilial wedding, their family tree don't branch, if you know what I'm saying. They, they give birth to Labashi Marduk whose elevator doesn't go to the top floor, doesn't have both oars in the water, a couple hot dogs short of a picnic. He doesn't last long. He's killed in two months. And then all of a sudden, they call for Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar comes in. He is the son-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. He's not the son. Evil Marduk was the son. He's the son-in-law. Nebuchadnezzar's wife is... Necrotus. Necrotus is the legitimate daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. Why do I say that? Because now with Belshazzar, Belshazzar is the son of Nebuchadnezzar and Necrotus, which makes him the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. So now you've had Nebuchadnezzar rule, you've had the son rule, and now you have the grandson rule. Jeremiah is fulfilled. Daniel knows it's fulfilled. He was waiting for Labashi Marduk to move along. He was waiting for Nergo Lezer to move along. And all of a sudden, now we have Belshazzar. And, and here's what happened. Nebuchadnezzar was a really smart guy. The son-in-law of, of Nebuchadnezzar, he was a smart guy. And he liked archaeology and things like that. So he and his wife bailed. And they left Babylon. And he made his son the co-regent, the ruler over Babylon. So now Belshazzar is the, 
the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, and he's left in charge of Babylon while these two go off and travel the world doing archaeology or whatever. So the grandson's in charge, and Babylon, as you recall, the walls, the outer walls were so thick that two chariots could race side by side on the top of the wall. It was a magnificent kingdom. And then there was an internal courtyard and then a secondary wall. And then inside the city itself, it was amassed with gold, over 22 tons of gold, just covering all of the buildings. It was, it was magnificent. And inside Babylon itself, as you recall, one of the ancient wonders of the world, seven ancient wonders of the world was the hanging gardens of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar's wife was from the mountainous region. Babylon was in the desert. She missed the mountains. So he built her these tiered gardens, called them the hanging gardens of Babylon, created misting systems and drip systems, and it was magnificent. This is Babylon. And now you got the grandson in charge, and dad's gone, grandpa's gone, he's got it. He's like, And a thousand concubines come out. I mean, these are, you know, just... And, all, and everybody, all the lords are in on it, and they're all young, and they're woo! And they got the gold chains, and the purple robes, and the grill, and the wow! And, the, and that's what's happening. Just same, just different era. Same stuff, Right? And so, they're, they're, and it's just not enough. It's just not, I mean, we're partying, this is awesome. And the party goes on for days, and it's like, okay, what do we, party some more. No, what do we get, let's jump off the wall. Let's, 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 uh, let's get the GoPros. I don't know, let's do something. And they're just, something new. I know, I know, I know. Let's go get the holy vessels. Grandpa was like saying, this stuff is serious, you can't touch it, because Daniel whatever let's get them we'll party with those we'll pour wine in we'll just we'll show them we're gonna praise the gold man we got the party stuff we'll get the silver we're gonna party let's go get the vessels and they get the vessels bad move they get the vessels they bring them out you know who's not at the party daniel daniel's like and daniel by this time he's old he's like yeah you shouldn't have done that you should have left those there you're, you're not, that's bad. <laughs> and so Belshazzar grabs these things and he's, he's partying with them. And they drank wine and they began to praise the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. Now don't dismiss them as though Belshazzar is some loser. People are in church and they still praise the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. I mean, think about it. Every Sunday morning, we return the tithe. We go through an explanation of the tithe. We lay it out. A person parting with their money? Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll give a little something, but I ain't going there. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. I'm now on my fourth home that I've been put in charge after the person's died to sift through the belongings. My good friend, Bob Gainsley, who built this, I was in charge of his house and going through all the stuff. Uh, my mother died. I went through all her things. I'm, Dr. Crilly's past. Most recent is Dr. Crilly. It was just in San Diego going through all these things. I remember sitting in her house. 
This was vital to her. This was so important. This, 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 nothing moved. She knew where it all was. It was categorized in her head. She had a photographic memory. She told me to go upstairs, third book on the right, uh, 14th page, second paragraph down on the right-hand side, and I'd read be exactly, boom. Frightening. And this was her home. It was like the Starship Enterprise, and she was at the command seat. She was 93 years old, and she directed it. She's gone. And that house is just... People, I want that. I'll take that. I got that. And our job is to categorize it and to document it and to send it to each of those people and things that she would never let anyone touch. They're gone. They're just messing with them. They're just, they're gone. There's stuff in your life you don't let anybody near. Don't you touch that car. Guess what? You're going to die. They're going to be all over it. And they're going to be cashing in and sending it off to some 16-year-old who's going to crash it. And they're going to cash some money. And you have no say in it. And you'll be like, they don't care. They don't care. And that's what you're worshiping. Gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone, gemstone. And we're going through each of these things. And most of it, quite frankly, most of it goes in the dumpster. Even for my mother, it went in the dumpster. Some of you are going, oh, that's just desecrating the memory of your mother. No, I'm not. That's not my mother. I, I want to leave a light footprint. I don't need to be carrying this around. I got a garage. My kids are boomeranging back into my garage. Their junk is coming into my... Get it out of my garage. You moved, Molly. You married, Micah. Don't put your stuff... Why are your paddle boards, Kelly, in here that you bought for your... This is not acceptable. Get this... You, we, and then we rent space to put our junk. And you're going to die and it's, it's all gone. And this is his life. And I got news for you. I have been to Europe. I've been to North America. I've been to Alaska. I've been to Central America. I've been to South America. I've been to Asia. I've been to Africa. I've been to Australia. I've been, I, I've been everywhere, man. I have been there. I have flown on private planes. I've been on yachts. I have eaten in the finest restaurants. I've done, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and I got news for you. At 50 years of age, there's nothing left. I, I don't want, and there's nothing on this earth you can entice me with. Keep it. And, and you're, you're living for that? Have at it. And good luck with that. You got about 50 years, maybe more. Party up. Because it, it is empty. It is so void of joy. There's nothing on this earth anymore that's even worth living for. The only thing worth living for is Jesus. The worst day with Jesus is better than the best day without him on this earth. And for those of you who don't know that, give it some time. It will get really dull. You're going to run out of pleasures. I mean, you're going to start, you know, I got to do the most debased things to find any type of pleasure whatsoever. And here's what they do. They get these vessels they were supposed to be untouched. Grandpa said, don't ever touch them. This, this is God who's spoken. This is a God who interpreted my dream. Don't mess with those things. We'll party, man. And they bring them out. And while they're drinking and they're partying and they're pouring in the wine and they're fondling these things, all of a sudden this hand appears on the wall opposite the lampshade so that the lamp is, is shining on the wall and, 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 and Belshazzar is watching this finger start to etch into the wall, and there's no arm attached to it, and he's like, oh, you're just bad. And he's, 
He's, he's drunk. He doesn't know what to make of it. He's just, and what does he do? There's nobody at the party who can help him. They're all drunk. They're like, whoa, that's weird. That's, whoa. What does it mean? I don't know, man. It wasn't an arm attached to it. It was just a hand. And their knees are knocking. They call for anyone that'll come and nobody can answer this. And he says, listen, I'll give you a gold chain. I'll give you a purple robe. I'll make you third in command of the kingdom. Please, man, please. And the queen comes in. She goes, you're wrecked. I know. I just can't put my mind around. It didn't have an arm. It was a hand. It was scratching. It's on the wall. And the queen says, listen, your thoughts trouble you. Your countenance has changed, changed, and so is your underwear. There's a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And the days of your father, light and wisdom, his name's Daniel. Call on him. Daniel, I remember him. Daniel, he's, he's the Jew. Yeah. He, 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 God speaks through him. Yeah. So Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said, are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, who my grandfather, the king, brought from Judah, that, you know, he, he made you a eunuch? My grandpa, man, he was in charge of everything. He brought you here. Aren't you one of those slaves? Aren't you one of those servants? But yet there's understanding and excellent wisdom found in you. Daniel's old at this time. He's like, here's the tragedy about it. Daniel not only served Nebuchadnezzar, he served Belshazzar. Belshazzar didn't remember He's like, I changed your diaper. I need to do that now, too. But he's, he's saying, you don't even remember me. And, and all of a sudden, he just says, listen, if you answer this for me, I'll give you a gold chain and a purple robe, and I'll make you third in command. And, and Daniel's like, you don't understand. You're polishing brass on the Titanic. It's like being third in command of a company that's about to go bankrupt. It's not going to be here tomorrow after the stock market crashes. The company's closing up. You're going to be gone tomorrow. You're the grandson. Jeremiah, I read that. I told your grandpa. He worshiped. He actually came to faith in the living God. You've rejected him. You know all that, but you think yourself wise, so you've just rejected it. I don't want any of your gold. I don't need any more junk. I loved it. Pastor Marty came in, he handed me these really beautiful porcelain things. I go, what are these, Marty? He goes, at my age, I'm not keeping anything. I used to love these things. Now they're your problem. (laughs) He has just pitched everything. He's just, just, I came in naked. I want to get ready to go back. And, And here, Daniel looks and he says, let your gifts be for yourself and your rewards to another. But I'll tell you what the writing is and I'll make known to you the interpretation. He goes on to say, you know, your grandpa, he did whatever he wanted to do, but his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride and he was deposed from his kingly throat and took glory from him. He says, God took a hold of him. He was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like that of a beast and the wild donkeys and they fed him grass like an oxen and he was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints it over it to whomever he chooses. Your grandpa understood that you, you prideful, arrogant little snot, don't get it. And you think it's all about... You don't have a lot of time left. You know better. But you, his son, Belshazzar, your grandson, you've not humbled your heart. You're the biggest punk on the planet. 
you knew all this. You've been to church. You've watched your parents dedicate their life to these things. You know better. You've read the annals of your grandfather. And you're, you're still, what is, what? And you've lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. You're mocking God as though you think you're tough. He says, but you've brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, your concubines, you've drunk wine from them, you praise the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. They don't see and hear, and God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all of your ways, you haven't glorified. And, and while you were doing this, the fingers of the hand were sent from God. And this is the writing on the wall, mene, mene, teko, farsen. He says, you have been weighed in the balances and have been found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You're done. Belshazzar's like, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Here, get him a robe and a gold chain. Crank the music. Let's do this. Oh, man. You're third in my kingdom. This party. That was a waste of time. And then it says, that very night, Belshazzar's that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom. Darius the Mede, the Persian, Darius, Darius. Darius was a general of Cyrus. Cyrus? Where do we read about Cyrus? Oh, you mean the scroll that Daniel was carrying that was 176 years old. And on the night that Belshazzar was killed by Darius, Daniel went out to greet Cyrus with a 176-year-old scroll. He says, I've been waiting for you. He says, you have? He says, yes, I have a scroll with your name in it that was written 176 years ago. What? And here's the here's here's cool part. The way that Darius, your general, took the city, mm-hmm. it's right there in Isaiah. What do you mean? Well, Darius was about to give up. The Medes and the Persians were trying to conquer Babylon forever. They couldn't do it. And Belshazzar thought, I, the kingdom, we can party forever. This is going to go on. I'm going to live forever. I'm young. I'm going to live forever. No, you aren't. You're an idiot. And, and, and they're, they're partying and they're having a grand old time and they think nobody can penetrate this. I mean, two chariots can ride on the walls and it's huge and we've got gold everywhere and nobody can get in. I mean, the Euphrates River goes north and south through Babylon. We've got plenty of water. The gates seal it down. And Darius was about to give up. They couldn't penetrate Babylon. Two people were sick of Belshazzar who were part of the kingdom. They came in and they shared the secret with Darius and they said, this is what you do. Send one group of troops on the north, one group of troops on the south, and then send another contingent over to the swampland and divert the Euphrates River. And they diverted the Euphrates. And the, the Medes just walked under the gate on dry land, just like Isaiah said in 44 and 45. And they came in, busted open the iron gates that no one ever worried about, came in and they killed Belshazzar and they didn't realize that they'd been conquered. It took two weeks for the entire kingdom to realize they'd been conquered. And Cyrus comes in to see what Darius did. And when Cyrus comes in, Herodotus and Josephus said that Daniel greeted him with the Isaiah scroll, 176 years old. And Daniel's old. He goes, I've been waiting for you. Look at this. There's your name. Let me just put it into perspective. It's like 200 years. 200 years, 2014, now it's 15, let's say it's 14. 200 years, 18, 14, 18, 14, we took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We brought a little bacon and we brought a little beans and we're going to meet the British in the town of... It's the Battle of New Orleans. So you can imagine Andrew Jackson, Battle of New Orleans. 
he writes down in a vision of God that Rob McCoy is going to go to Tulane University in 1982 as a freshman in New Orleans, which I did. And I come in, they open up the scroll. We've been waiting for you, Rob, from Coronado. Scroll's been waiting for you. I'm like, ooh, trippy. 176 years. How'd you do that? That's what happened with Cyrus. He goes, so what? Okay. All right. So blown away was Cyrus that Ezra wrote this down because the minute that Daniel gave it to Cyrus, Cyrus was floored. And this is what Cyrus did. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, this is Ezra chapter one, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and put it in writing, say, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all his people. May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. Cyrus just goes, you know what? I met Daniel and there's no question about it. That is epic. Now, some of you go, what's so epic about it? It gets even heavier. I don't have time to go into it, but I will say this, that when Jesus entered in Jerusalem and he wept over the city, he said, if you had known this, your hour, I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you rejected me. See, the minute that the, it was completed in, in Nehemiah, the clock started ticking. And to the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, it was prophetically fulfilled, similar to what we have in Ezra at the rebuilding of the temple. This was written hundreds of years. I mean, Isaiah wrote this in 712 BC and Cyrus read it in 536 BC. That's when Ezra 1 was written. That's just crazy. Now I close with this idea. When we saw earlier that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, they were partying with the, the vessels, the holy vessels. And I was thinking about this idea of the hand on the wall scratching in many, many tekafarsal. Second Corinthians 3 says, clearly you are an epistle, a letter ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. Each of you who knows Jesus Christ is a living testimony. It's an epistle, a letter for the world to read. Uh, it was been, it's been said, preach the gospel every day and when absolutely necessary, use words. And so the world looks at you and, and if you're being put on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you of such? And you've been set apart, your holy vessels, you've been purchased with the body and the blood of Christ that was shed for the remission of your sins and you've been purchased with the holy blood of Christ. So much so that 1 Corinthians 3 says this. I'm almost finished. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds. For no other foundation can anyone lay other than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, sound familiar? 
precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as though through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple, a vessel of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if anyone defiles that vessel, that temple of God, God will destroy him. For that vessel, that temple of God is holy, which vessel you are. My point is this. You've been purchased with the blood of Christ. Unto good works that we read in Ephesians 2.10. This workmanship, this poema created in Christ Jesus to do those good works. This is your destiny. God prepared in advance for you to walk in that but you haven't been doing that. Maybe 2014, you were one of these holy vessels ordained by God, saved, set apart, sanctified unto him, but you found yourself at a party, Belshazzar's party, and they were pouring wine in you and they were fondling you. And that's a Christian at a party. Defiled. Now you're still going to heaven. You got your get out of hell free card. He has been placed in the Father's hand. No man can remove. Once saved, always saved. You're going to heaven. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. But you're at the party. Because I'm going to heaven. And you're not building anything upon the foundation of Christ. And ultimately, it's going to burn. Even if it's gold. Even if it's silver. Precious stones, wood, hay, straw. It's going to burn. See, you were created to be in the master's hands, not in Belshazzar's hands. You're created for God's purposes, not for the world's. You shouldn't have been at the party to begin with. You see, Daniel wasn't at the party. Daniel was summoned to the party. Christian, don't go to the party, be summoned to the party. What do you mean summoned to the party? At the party, their life is going to implode and they're gonna call on you when they need a ride home. They're gonna call on you when they need somebody to counsel because it's the fourth time that their boyfriend's broken up with them or their girlfriend has. They're going to counsel you because it's the third time they've been through rehab and the sixth time that they've been, whatever it is, they're calling on you. They're going to summon you to help them. And just like Daniel, you're going to lead them to Christ every time. But if your goal in life is you got your get out of hell free card and you want to be just like the world, here's, here's the deal. You're going to be just fine. You're still going to be a holy vessel. But everybody, as it says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are a vessel of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if anyone defiles that vessel of God, God will destroy him. You're okay. It's just everybody who's partying with you is going to die. Because instead of letting them see the tablet of the epistle written on your heart because you're living for Christ, from the overflow of a man's heart comes his deeds, his words. Instead, they're just going to watch the judgment on the wall by the hand of God. God sent you to testify to them, but you didn't let them see your heart. Instead, you allowed them to be judged by the finger on the wall and the writings on the wall. And I I think of that and it bums me out because it says in you being dead in your trespasses of your flesh, he's made alive together with him, having forgiven you all the trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements. God took care of the handwriting on the wall in your life. Can't you do that for them? He's taken it out of the way. He's nailed it to the cross. For those of you who are here for the first time, you've never had a relationship with the Lord, I would just say this to you. 
He can take care of all of the conviction right now. You know, you have a little Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder. And you, like Belshazzar, you know that you got to get your life right. You know that you're going to die. You know that you're going to give an accounting to the Lord. No matter what drugs you take, no matter where you're partying, you can't get out of your mind the reality that there is going to be an accounting. And the party's going to end. And God says, I'm, I'm here to set you free. I can cover your sins. That conviction you have, if you reject it, your heart becomes seared. And God gave you a conscience. It's that trigger to respond to him. He's come that you might have life. You've been on the slave auction block and God has taken you from being a slave of sin to making a slave of righteousness. And he's created works for you to walk in for a life of abundance that the world could read your heart instead of be judged by the tablet on the wall. Let's start serving people in this coming year by giving God all of our life. His blood was shed to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and we do good works not to be saved but because we are saved so that the world can have the same gift we've received. Let them read our heart. Let's live in such a way that we're Daniels and Daniels. And the only time we go to the party is when we're summoned to minister to them. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. His body was broken, his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. And so this is a salvation God has presented You don't have to worry about the writing on the wall. Today, he is taking care of all of your sins if you would receive by faith. And in receiving that, God will inspire you to minister to others just as Daniel did the entirety of his life. This coming year, let's live for Christ that the world would see our heart and they wouldn't be judged by the writing on the wall. Amen?